Podcast. Welcome back. After a, a hiatus, we are back at it, and uh, we want to give a head nod to Red Light King for making the Bone Shaker the official soundtrack of the Goon Rules. Today is a big day because I've got a, two close friends of mine, but we have actually been like pen pals uh, over between COVID and work and everything else. So I want to introduce uh, Ben Turpak from Basic American Podcast and skill sets and i also want to introduce my very dear friend uh george romero uh basically movie guy comic guy all things cool george guys the crew what's up what's up everybody what's up man it's good to see you rob nice to meet you ben yeah likewise nice to be on here with you guys yeah excellent yeah excellent so and it's funny it's yeah i mean but it's funny like during covid like that's how a lot of stuff happened was like through pen pals and like if we you know that we're still we're still there largely there's so much business being done just like this now and it's just awesome so i'm sorry it just shows the ingenuity of people we're still going to make it happen one way or another that's right you know but uh the cool thing the reason oh, so normally um marcus torgensen is a co-host but today ben turpak is my co-host because we thought that Ben would completely be in this because he's completely into movies. He's into <laughs> all this. He is into all this stuff. And right off the bat, I'm going to go ahead and fire out a question for all of us. Okay? First horror film, either intentionally or unintentionally saw, and at what age? I love it. Are you asking me? Hey, dude, somebody, somebody, this is like, no, we'll, let, we'll, we'll, we'll let George go. He's, he's, he's here. I'm just co-hosting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because, uh, I think I saw a lot more horror movies at a lot younger age than a lot of my friends. And even back then we were, it was like street cred, right? Like if you could find weirder horror movies, I mean, I think I was, yeah. you know, I think I was like six when I saw Cannibal Holocaust or something. Like I didn't even see my dad's night until like I was older than that, you know? And uh, yeah, I was fucked up by that stuff at a very, <laughs> very young age. <laughs> what about you, Ben? This is pretty cool day for me, man, because um, there's that famous saying about like meeting heroes and all this cool stuff. So at the beginning of the show, you did this little intro. It was really nice. You're like, you're the host of Basic American Podcast. You're like, you do the skill set podcast and you're like editor of the magazine. But I also co-host a podcast that's a horror podcast with two buddies of mine. One, you know, Hank Greenberg. Yeah. And the other guy, you know, Jason Swar. That's right. <laughs> and we're horror heads. And awesome. we had no business starting this podcast other than like we were three friends on different ends of the map that still loved horror, that just wanted to talk and it just happens to be that 50 or 60 people actually listen to us. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, bro, listen, that's how, that's how all horror filmmakers started out making horror movies too. You know, a handful yeah, it's of funny. Yeah. yeah. Somebody sent me like, somebody sent me the other day, they sent me a link. They had found 
like one of the first ones that we ever did. And we were, we were like 11 or 12 or something, maybe 13. Right. And he found the old film and he digitized it and sent it to me. And I was just fucking dying. It was just like six of us. And, you know, we're all laughing our ass off being stabbed to death. Uh, that's pretty you know. <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah so like right now um to answer that question i can't even remember like i know like we we weren't raised on a lot of like we didn't have cable tv or nothing so it was definitely the vhs store which meant it was like a lot of the stuff that was still on the shelf on friday night which was the bad stuff and not the good stuff because the good stuff cost money <laughs> <laughs> that's right you know, i saw a lot of the hammer horror stuff a lot of the full moon catalog because you know I, I was born in 76 I, i'm i'm actually was born in western pa as well so uh for me like growing up in that era right like across the river in washington county from savini's place and all this good stuff horror was already a big deal you had the steelers and you had horror and yep. that was about it so <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh I don't know, man. I think like probably one of the first ones I ever, I, I remember seeing Food of the Gods, if we want to count that as horror, as like one of my first ones. <laughs> Dude, you guys got these cult classics that you called out and I could, I'm like, I just feel so lame with what I'm getting ready to no, say. Oh, not at all, man. Dude, so for me, it was, I'll never forget it. I think I was like, dude i think i was like six or seven years old and i remember coming across late night uh flipping through the channels coming across the howling the very first one um and that and and that stuck with me man that that you know the very first one i'm not talking about when Mm -hmm. they got really when they got real b as they got out there with the very first one and dude i you know because i came from a real like uh i don't know man like a real spiritual family so any of the occult stuff was always like, you know, it really caught my attention at that point in time growing up. Not not a horror head by any stretch of the imagination, but there was a period of time that I found myself, you know, wanting to catch werewolf flicks a lot. Yeah. And vampire flicks. Even still to this day, um, I was I, I, I loved um, the new Dracula film, Dracula Untold. I love the I story. I, I love the story, um, you know, because we, we, we all grew up with Branch Stoker, I mean, and all that. But I love I love the way they took off on the story and they went a little bit of a different direction with it. So, you know, I, I still find myself watching a little bit of horror once in a while. That's interesting what you just said to me, though, because you said you what you liked about it is they went in a different direction with it. And it's funny because I know a lot of horror people who that's exactly what pisses them off. But your perspective on that. The fact that you just said that, and I don't even know if you know what you just said, but you just said, I love that they went a little bit different direction with it. And, you know, from, from the point of, point of view of a storyteller, that's so interesting to hear because it's like, um, like I'm writing a script right now. I'm working on two scripts right now for films I'm about to go direct back to back, supposedly, time coming up here soon. Um, like to the point where I have a bag packed by the front door. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm finding myself in this script at a point and it's funny because I was what I've been working on all day at this point where I have to kind of have one of those oh shit moments. Um, but there's I only have a couple of, of, of obvious options for that. And I'm trying to think of a different way to go with it than most people are used to seeing. And I don't think enough storytellers today do that. So that was an awesome point you just made. I'm sorry. I just had to commentate. No, no. And I'll tell you what what really caught me about that film in particular is how they tied together nosferatu with dracula that was a part of the story that i liked 
Uh, I haven't seen it, so yeah. And Luke Evans played the part pretty well. Again, it's a, it's a modern horror, but uh, like I said, uh, when it comes, I'm like you in the sense I like a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like a good story. absolutely. Well, and and it's and it's it's getting harder and harder to find a sea of content that's out there with the same formulaic scripts that have been the same formula since you know the first Friday the Thirteenth. You know, I mean, yeah. and 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 when you stick to a formula so strictly you 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 run out of things to have your actors talk about or do or say and so it becomes this even the dialogue and the story becomes so formulaic and you get the typical scene where somebody talks about you know uh the girlies that are there and somebody talks about everybody getting all fucked up and then they go somebody goes missing and then everybody has to wander around and look like they're trying to do something because there's nothing in the script for them to do so they're all wandering around picking <laughs> shit up like uh, i'm supposed to be looking for my buddy is this my buddy you know because because there's nothing in the fucking script <laughs> i think it's That's- kind of like oh uh, for me like why i gravitate to the ind- independent type of stuff so much and some of the smaller low budget stuff so much is because there's not a preconceived like path you have to follow. So a lot of the filmmakers, a lot of the low budget guys, they'll kind of just throw anything and see what sticks and go after it. And it kind well, of opens the, up the door for bigger storytelling that way. That's the goon rules of independent filmmaking. Yep. And yeah, independent horror. The problem is the problem that I have is that too many people are falling in, falling by the wayside of that. And not a lot, not enough people remember something that I try to tell everybody that I work with is the films used to be dangerous. What I mean by that, when I say that is, it's it's got a double kind of meaning like when my dad made night um the united states i think the senate or the congress one of the two like made a public statement about how guys like him shouldn't be allowed to do things because they're dangerous they shouldn't be allowed to make movies because it's dangerous for society (laughs) what they really meant by that was that he was all about independent thought and radical ideas Mm. and things that were not popular at the time and um you know that was dangerous in the mind of the of, of of the establishment because they you know they didn't want people getting a big big enough platform right i mean i guess they never they never really foresaw the internet but um you know uh i don't remember where i was going that train of thought just left town i was not on i like um, where you're going with it though the whole idea of open and free and, and critical yeah. thinking i love that. oh yeah 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 so in the, so goon rules in the indie horror world you know i mean it's like You've got to push the envelope, man. If you don't push the envelope, you become somebody who's just making the same shit everybody else is making. And, you know, and and sometimes that might mean you go a bunch of years between films. And believe me, that's the hardest thing to do because as a filmmaker, if I'm not making a movie, I'm not, I feel like a part of me is not doing what I'm built to do. And, um, you know, but you kind of gotta, you gotta be careful. You can't just go make the same stuff everybody's making. If you, if you want anybody to ever see your stuff, you've got to pick a hill that you're going to die on and die on it. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and for me, that was, um, whatever I do, it's got to just be unique. It's got to be my own. It's got to be, um, and it's got to be respectful to the giants whose shoulders I stand on, uh, in this industry. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, and, and that's, and this is exactly been why camera or George and I hit it off was this whole idea of when we first got together and we started talking is this mindset of outside of the box thinking and mm-hmm. how, you know, it's, it's okay to be different. It's okay not to see the world 
through exactly the same lens as the other guy. It's fine. It's all right. You know, and that's how, how we hit it off. And a lot of times we'll have, you know, like every three or four or five months, we'll have a conversation on the phone that'll go on for 30 minutes. And then we don't talk to each other for another four or five months, you know, yeah. but that's, that's cool. Yeah. I dedicated my life to looking for a different perspective. And I think my perspective got so fucking weird and out there for a while that it's like lasered in now. And I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes, some days I feel like Neo when he learned to see the matrix and some days I feel like, uh, <laughs> Like, I can't read this Canada dry can in front of my face. You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> but I have a, I have a unique perspective in my perspective. At least I, I don't know if it's unique. I shouldn't say that. That's arrogant to say that. I don't mean it like that. My perspective is a, is a simple one. I dedicated a large portion of my life to protecting my inner creativity. Uh, and then I learned to trust it. And both of those processes are so easily surmised in a, in a sentence, but they both almost killed me several times. And um, I came out the other side to, to a path that's, that's fueled by light and love, right? Like I've got light in my life now and I've got love in my life now. I've got all this great stuff in my life and all the darknesses, you know, uh, that you go through to find this perspective is long gone. And and I'm happy to say that my perspective on storytelling has evolved, I think, and my perspective on, on, on what I do for a living has evolved, you know, and I don't look at it as anything other than I've just got to get the shit out of my head and out of my heart. And, uh, you know, hopefully that resonates with some people out there. For me, it's more important to try to help others figure out how to express themselves through this craft than uh, almost for me to make my own stuff. But finally getting to get some of my stuff out there in the world has been this tremendously like humbling and fucked up experience too. So there's that. <laughs> right on, right on. Sorry, I don't know. I, I There's that train, man. It just kind of goes. And I don't know where it's headed. <laughs> cool. Ben, do you think that, uh, do you see, he was talking about, um, you know, the concept of, of being different and being out there. You're more in print and um, other types of media. Do you see a lot of the same crap repeating itself out there being regurgitated over and yeah over again. yeah, and yeah. not so much not so much not in the comic world man the comic world is like the wild west it, it's all oh, right now it's amazing out there right yeah yeah and this is like when i came up with this project i'm doing called the rise it was like 11 years ago i started developing this project and uh i worked and worked and worked for years and years and years try to find the right home for it finally found a partnership when matt uh medney and i the ceo of heavy metal and i we met we vibed and and we found a home for uh, for the rise, and uh, it's been such an amazing platform. And I get to work with guys like Joe Illich, Dave Irwin, and like legends in the comic space. And like, and I've never written a comic before, but eleven years ago, I I always said I wanted to do this as a comic before I did it as anything else. And now here I am, like I get to I get to work with like like heroes in the comic world, right? And, and but then you get like the phone calls from them or the emails from them, and you're like, oh man, they're gonna say something that's gonna make you feel like shit. <laughs> not not like in a mean way just like they're gonna be like hey you should think about this with regard to what you wrote and you're like fuck that's why you guys are the superheroes so, you know i feel like the doors are definitely like the left and right lateral limits are way more wide open in the comic space especially in the independent world as a comic nerd for like 40 years now i've, I've got give or take on any day of the week around thirteen thousand books here at my house i'm, yeah. I'm i hard like comic nerd and uh, awesome. when you go all the way back to pre-code comic book horror 
And then you bring it up to like what the modern, what Walking Dead did for the modern world, right? There's no denying what it did to the comic game. I was like, all of a sudden, horror comics were cool again. Uh, story writing, independent storybooks, what Boom Studios was able to do. Just all that world opening up again seems like it's just the cat's meow right now. It's, it's pretty cool for guys like you that are able to take your visions and have willing participants that are able to help bring them to life. It's awesome, man. And, you know, uh, it's funny because what you're talking about was kind of like started by heavy metal back in the day. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and now what you're talking about is coming back and there's heavy metal. And it's like, dude, I remember like my D&D books and my issues of heavy metal Frank and Frazetta shit. Art, yep. like, like, you'd yep. see Frank Frazetta art and you'd be like, oh, yep. it's a good yep. day. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I got it. And now I, I just got like all my comp issues. So I have like a full set of everything I've written that's like oh, done with the the heavy metal imprint on it and it's like what an it's honor. like a fucking dream Sweet. come true yeah, like, really you know, like i you know i remember i remember all uh, all i remember having heavy metal like at this footlocker that had D and heavy metal and all that shit in it, and all my horror mags and all my you know all that stuff and and uh and it was like heavy metal man like and then the fucking heavy metal movie come out and then they asked <laughs> yeah. me to write uh they asked me to write cold dead war that's in the multiverse of the zombie segment from uh, from the film, actually. So uh, that was super fun, and uh, and it's funny. I was doing press on that the other day, and I was doing a like a, an Instagram live, and somebody was talking about how it was literally banned in Germany, um, and it's like the most anti-Nazi comic thing I've ever even seen anywhere, let alone thought about writing, and it got banned in Germany um and then somebody asked me if i was a white supremacist oh. because i wrote an anti-nazi comic book that's that's been banned in germany because it offended all the country <laughs> wow people trying to put labels right off the bat you know right? I mean, just, like wow. yeah it just goes back to that whole that whole if you don't think in this slot yeah yeah you know if you don't but think you know, in this slot yeah, but you know, writing those stories, writing in comics, man. When I first started doing it, I thought, geez, these panels are going to be so limiting, and it's going to be like, you know, because I'm used to movies, right? I'm used to right. camera, and I can make a movie about anything. And then, and I said, well, but what the? How am I supposed to do this with these? Like, you know, it's you know, five to seven panels per page maximum, and each panel is whatever. And then uh, something Joe Illich said to me was, "You're you're you're completely. You need to just shift your perspective." And there's that perspective word again. And I yep. did. And he said, each one of those panels is the construct from the matrix. And as soon as I thought about it that way, I realized that each of those panels is infinitely bigger and infinitely more vast than anything I could ever do with a camera. And um, it became one of the most freeing creative experiences of my life. I don't have to worry about hiring a stunt guy to do something. I don't have to worry about um getting permits to blow a building up i don't have to do right like i don't have to do i can just write it and then these world-class artists like diego yapur and, and herman ponce they draw it and like i wrote this i want to go grab it like can i can i go grab something yeah go ahead i'll be two seconds <laughs> 
Rob, I know you've got horror comics stashed away somewhere at your house. I no, guess. actually not. Um, what I've got what were you is... reading back in the day when you were a young Rob? Rob I, I basically, I was reading, uh, be honest with you, dude, I was a hardcore Marvel guy, be honest with you. Yeah. Even still to this day, I do have a lot of... Are you shocked with some of the numbers those books are bringing right now? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I took my, I got a box in the, in the garage yeah. with all my stuff in it. And um, I'll be honest with you, I've seen some of the numbers, but I can't part with them. Uh, yeah, well, there's okay. Now for me, I get that, right? There's some, there's some stuff that I'm sentimental for and it'll always hang with me. Like uh, I was just like horror. I was an independent guy. So the independent stuff uh -huh. that's worth nothing is like the box that's in the house. Meanwhile, I've got an X-Man 266. That's like, yep. hey, I know that's worth about a thousand. Oh yeah, man. Just like, I mean, <laughs> it, what, what's crazy is how mainstream right this now. is all going and, and the way they're dealing with the cannons and everything. Where back in the day when I was seeing this, um, all the cannons were so slim and racy and everything linked together. And now I'm looking at the way, especially the way movies are dealing with, with the way they're dealing with comics. Now, those of us who go way back, oh, yeah. we're looking at the way they're writing these comics now. And it's like, dude, do you, do you not even read any of this stuff prior to this? It was, so it, it, it's kind of disheartening, but yet in the, in the, it's kind of cool to see it on the big screen, but yeah, there's, well, there, there, and this is the thing I had to learn early on. I was still doing the con scene for a while. Like when I, when we first started skill set, I was still doing about, I think I had done 17 comic cons that year is my small side business that my son and I were doing. And, uh, it was, it was about the start, maybe, maybe the first, you know, slice of the Marvel movies hitting the big screen. And it was a weird transition to see everybody that was 20 years younger than me know more about the character that I grew up with reading. Cause you almost want to hold on to it and be yeah. like, no, 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 don't you tell me what I know, but they yeah. weren't making the movies for guys like me and you, they were making the movies for them. Yeah. It took the me a little while to come around, you know? Well, most of these guys that are out there now don't realize that for me, like one of the first mainstream Marvel characters to hit like the theater was yeah. in the nineties and it was blade. It was one oh, of yeah, the first yeah. ones. And that first, I got it. I'll, I'll say it now. That first Blade movie was freaking. Yeah, it was awesome. awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. But you, but you are forgetting um, Dolph Lundgren's The Punisher. Yes, I remember that one too. Yes, that I did. Yeah, that was one you're that absolutely was right. right. Yes, I did. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. Yes. Yes. Uh, didn't uh, Brandon? Didn't Brandon? Wasn't Brandon Lee in that? Or no, he wasn't. I'm thinking of no. another movie. Go yeah, ahead. You're thinking of uh, no, no, no. You're thinking of the crow, and then he did the other one, Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire. He only did yeah. a couple movies. Yeah. So, but check this out. This goes to the comic thing, right? So I know this is not a video podcast. But no problem. Cool. We can enjoy it. Um. So like this is uh, I got two variant two variant covers of like the rise, the first issue, first printing, Sweet. which is just stupid cool. Like, I wrote this eleven years ago, and if you would have told me. That, that I would have been working with like all the people on this page right here. And if you would have told oh, me wow. that like the story I wrote 11 years was going to come to life like this. Right. And, and, and just, it's just, it's this crazy experience. And there's these two, there's black and red. Then there's this alternate cover that like another comic store did and they did some sold ones. And then there's like the ones in the heavy metal universe, which are just as exciting there's like the cold dead war, right? So there's two, there's two of them. There's one and two. And then this is number three. And this is the one that Germany said, yeah, we're done. And that's the cover for it. Wow. So, but like you go, you go and you write these things. And like, I wrote this 
I wrote this scene as this kind of like a film montage, right? Because one of the things that's been interesting for me was to write for comics as a, as a film writer. So I wrote sort of a montage, right? And I don't know if you guys can see all of this, but like, this is what, this is what Herman Ponce did. He did one of these, like, I wrote it to be done as a double page splash. And like every inch of these two pages is just zombies just killing the shit out of Nazis. <laughs> that is crazy. In like some of the most disgusting and crazy ways that I could think of. And like to see that, like yeah, I couldn't you can't do that with a camera unless you're Marvel. Hey George, is what uh what ep- what um what issue is that so that the people that are listening they could check it out with so they just that's issue three issues one two and three of cold dead war are all available now okay um and that what i was just talking about is issue three Uh, and then the rise uh issue one is available and i think issue two is about to come out um and then of course you can get all of the issues of rise in real time uh because it's coming out as many issues inside heavy metal magazine which is also a fucking trip and then every, I think, two issues from the magazine, we're doing a trade. So cool. doing like a regular comic book. So, um, yeah, check them out, man. They're awesome. So and, was uh, this now when you and I spoke the first time we met was like two years ago, two, two and a half years ago. Um, was this what you were talking about when you were talking about doing the comic stuff or, or is this prior to that? This is no, this is all since last January. So. But this is what I was talking about when I was saying this is the direction I wanted it to go. Yeah. So there you go, right there. There's just even more validation right there. I'm going to need a copy of this so that I can prove myself to people in this industry. Like a year before, a year and a half before this even happened, um, I was talking to you about how I would love to see this go this direction. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always been, it's always meant, it's always been meant to take the path it's taking. And now we're working on a video game, we're working on some animation and some. Some other things like well, that. you were so, talking uh, about a yeah, back exciting. in those days. You were talking about a movie. There's still a movie. It's coming because I remember we was had always movies was always was, it was supposed to be after the comic, after some other stuff. And yeah, then the movie falls in place. And, yeah, because we know, talked about and, some choreography and and some shit like mm, that. Mm, this is that. So you know, um, it's taking its best natural path. I think. Um, but I can't, I can't, what I've learned is no matter how much you want to force a path for a project in this business, you can't, um, well, you you can, but you, you end up compromising a lot and you end up, um, you end up learning all the things about the business that you hope new people in the business never have to learn. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so like that, but yeah. It's it's been an amazing amazing trip and a great ride, and uh, you know it will it will eventually move into live action. I don't know when that's going to be. That might be later this year. Might be early next year. But it will eventually move into live action. So, and uh, and to this day, Rob, there's a a lot more knife fighting in it since <laughs> you and I met, brother. Just uh, anytime you want to come and get expi- inspired, we're not that far apart. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know we're not. I, I mean, so. and that's that's the cool thing about this. And, and, I, and I said it once and I'll say it again. And the crazy thing is, is Ben and I met like three or four years ago at a, at a shot show and, and me and him and some other friends sat down and we just started talking. We spent like having dinner 
we spent like almost two and a half hours talking. And when we got done, Turpak's like, bro, we should have recorded that. That was like a podcast <laughs> right there, you yeah. know? So I, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed about this, this path. When we start talking about paths is, is this, uh, the people, the folks yeah. that, that I get to meet and that I get to hang out with. And, um, you know, I, I tell my, I tell my family all the time, like, these are the people that down the road, when my time comes, when they're all sitting out in the audience, they'll be like, I know what Cabrera was made out of, you know, yeah. because we, we sat down and we broke bread together and, and we, 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 you know, we had a couple of beers and we talked and, you know, we knew each other in, in a way that goes beyond just what's plastic, you know? That's right. That's absolutely, that's very well said, man. Very yeah. well said, brother. Very well said. So Ben. Yes, sir. So this whole, this whole horror thing, how long have you, you so, so ever since you were a kid, you've been tracking it that you've yeah. been all about that life. That's it. Like, uh, that's what led me down the road to playing in a death metal band. That's where, uh, that's where all the ink comes from. Right. Like all the, like, it's just, it's, it's horror life for me, man. Like that's, I have a hashtag I use on my IG. It's like, and a lot of people just know me like from the skill set, the world, right. Kind of like you, a lot of people just know you from, from Philo, from, from yeah. the knife world. Right. Yeah. But there's other sides to us. We're human beings. Yep. We have, you know, I'm a car guy. I'm a, I'm a horror guy. I'm a, right. But I use this hashtag 365 days of horror. This computer that I do all my video editing on, I'm, my son and I, we do uh, effects makeup. We're doing mask making. I'm a big mask collector, you know? Awesome. That's, that's something that I just got back into here recently in the past couple of years. I've always been the guy that's worked at the local hot and then got burned on a paycheck just to be involved. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't care. My, my parents growing up, we lived in a trailer park, but it was the coolest dang trailer park come every Halloween. You know, people, yeah. people knew we were the ones with the strobe lights and, you know, we did the dead body gimmicks out front and my parents were all in on it, man. Like I said, I think it was just part of the culture of growing up in Western Pennsylvania. Haunted houses were the thing. Uh, driving. Where in Western, where in Western PA? I was actually uh, a small town in Denora, but I was born in Shalawar because Denora doesn't really have a hospital. So, <laughs> right there in Washington County. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah. So, uh, proper. You know, there's lots of small little towns out there. <laughs> but, yeah. There uh, sure it's one are. of those things where uh, you go back even now and it looks just the same as when I was a kid. I mean, my, my aunt still lives in my granddad's house. Like it's still very small town. It's, it's, it's Denora, it's Western PA. <laughs> like football's yeah. about it. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Football and horror, man. We used to go That's down it, to the steel mills and hunt, hunt double man down there and go mess oh around with kids and get chased I mean, down you know, places. And it's interesting because like horror was a great uniter when we were kids, you know, sure. it really was like, it gave us something to do. It gave us something out there in the world to do. And it gave us something to connect with other people our age on. And like, you know, I don't know that it does that as much anymore these days, but I sure as hell hope it does because I try to approach it with the same love that I had for it when I was a kid. It's funny you say that too, because my son is now at an age where he's like 14 or so, and, and we're a pretty handy house. Like I've got a workshop, we're always making stuff. There's a bucket, you know, of latex always around. We're casting stuff and foam resin, and and he's very much younger, video games, but but goes out, he's into his anime, he's into making stuff. So now we're doing mold making and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it's just something, it takes me right back to like looking at Fangora magazines and then trying to see if you could pull that effect off with your buddies. Or yep. like, it's so cool to see like my son and his kids doing the same things that we were doing. Like when we, 
on a, it's a different level. The tools are a lot cooler now. When you can get into vacuum forming and just when you can 3D Absolutely. model stuff now. I mean, we could never do that back in the day. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's cool stuff. It's cool to see that there's kids that still want to do the practical effects, that still want to go down and buy the supplies and figure out things on their own. Because so much stuff, you know, like so much stuff is just on the computer, digitally rendered worlds. No one's putting pen to paper anymore, like the comics you were talking about. There's not, a, there's not, just not as much as that. I, I kind of like the little resurgence or renaissance, if you will, of practical effects and comic books. And, and mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I just, I don't know if it's just me because that's what I want to see, but I feel like there is a big resurgence of that right now. I feel like us guys that are getting older are kind of helping bring that back into the spotlight. Yeah, I think it's what's important is that the message gets brought back with it, right? Like, I don't want it to just be brought back as like a, a cool retro piece of pop culture. Yeah. I wanted to get brought back with the message, right? Like I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, about when we both were spending time in LA when we were young and, you know, he was hanging out with a lot of bands and, you know, a lot of these were really big bands and, you know, like really, really big bands. And, th but they would all hang out after the shows at the rainbow room or at, uh, after the shows at, you know, the whiskey or whatever. And they'd be working on songs together and somebody would say, hey, man, you should put this line in your song. And somebody would say, hey, all right, cool. And nobody went after anybody for copyright infringement. Nobody went after anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like a truly collaborative thing. And there was this artist thing where artists were about the art, not about the recognition for it. And, you know, and I'm just hoping that uh, with this resurgence that that some of that purity in the, in the creative arts returns with it. And they, and, and there's a, like a, it's interesting. I'm going to throw this out there. I've never had this opportunity to get with, with people who are really into the, that side of it, but I'm going to go ahead and pose this question. So not, you know, you know, the way I am about religion, I'm not big in religion, but let me ask you this. And I've, I've always wanted to ask hardcore horror people. So what are your feelings about, this idea that there's something more to us and to this world than the things that we can, that our five senses can put their hands on. In other words, that there's a part of this world that's always going to be mysterious and we can't put our hands on, you know, you understand what I'm, where I'm going with this? Like, yeah. like the Indians with the whole spirituality that, Hey, that listen, yeah, there's all this crap and shit that we can put our hands on. But there's a part to this world that's untangible. You can't touch it. You can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. But it's there. Are you guys are now are, or are you just horror in the sense of eyes ah, horror and and it's nothing or like, oh, wait a minute. I like the connection that it gives me to all the shit that I know that I may not understand about this world. Well, that's a deep question, man. I don't know. Um... For me, I don't think I look at it the same way as I used to. Um, I think there may have been a time when that might have been like something I would have thought about. But I think these days I'm more connected to the, I try to be more connected to the universe in general and as a whole. And I think, uh, I think horror is, um, most of the horror that I really enjoy making is, uh, I love making psychological horror type stuff, but I think that we are all connected. And I think that if in fact we are connected as a universe full of energy, then 
it stands to reason there is all kinds of shit that we are not aware of that is all around us all the time. So, um, and that's an interesting thing to kind of explore through horror. I think that would be interesting. My you YouTube back. I was going to say, did you just ask me in a really deep way? Like, do I believe in ghosts? Is that what you just asked me? Yeah. Like the spirituality <laughs> of it, you know, you're talking, you're talking to a guy that literally just went on a ghost hunt, a paranormal investigation four days ago. Again, right at, at my age <laughs> yeah i'm all over it like i think there's residual energy i think we're more than just our vessel i think sometimes when our we leave our bodies in traumatic ways it can leave an energy behind mm -hmm. i i think there's very i, I had an experience I, i'm not one of those people that's i'm, I'm like oh i'm out I, like I, I love horror right but i always thought that like you were that crazy horror chick at a party that's like hey like yeah. i was never that guy i wasn't looking for it i wasn't and then something happened to me and all of a sudden i was i just became more aware more in tune and started researching and thinking out maybe there's a little bit more to this i, I can't think that with we're one little rock floating in this huge yep. world the galaxy space of all this stardust and mess and cosmic whatever it is it would be very like egotistical to think that we're the only thing here just occupying flesh and bone right now and that we don't leave some kind of imprint on the world after we're gone like i don't know very, like, very carl sagan of you i don't you right like and I think yeah that's, I, yeah i, I, think I didn't want to be the one to say it i don't know i just I, I think you know i never used to think that way when i was younger i was like that's just something smart people say and they write these great books and then you get older and you start i guess people start to pass away in your life you start to miss people your elders aren't there anymore. All of a sudden, I'm the elder in my family. I, I, you know, I lost my father a couple of years ago, and and my my mentor, my uncle, and 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 now I'm the elder statesman in my 40s. And it's just kind of like sometimes you feel like they're still there helping you make the right decision. You know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and the and the reason why I ask this is because like there's another connection that George and I, we all three of us have, is we have an affinity for vets, and one of the things that's helped me with counseling vets is this mind that okay you know you got your mind your body and then you've got the part of you that's not tangible your spirit whether and and again religion set aside that you have to keep that in balance that part and and i think that that's been a big thing about you know like when you know george and i talk about the stuff that he wants to do with vets and then you know you and i talk about you know the, the relationships we have with vets and i've been given the blessed opportunity of a lot of times being able to counsel guys who've gone through some pretty tough shit um, just because you guys, I know the two of you know my background and being able to just talk with them and not necessarily talk religion, but talk about this, the, the, again, us as people, as human beings and, and being able to balance yourself out after you have either gone through or done or, or been exposed to traumatic shit, you know? So I, I was just curious because I've talked to a lot of other horror people and some of them are very, you know, they're very, I want to use the word plastic again. They're very plastic about it, you know, and they dig horror, but they're like completely, you know, not into that. And that's fine. That's cool. Whatever. I was just curious to see where you guys were concerning all that. Gotcha. Well, you know, I mean, horror, horror has many levels, right? There's, there's many rings of horror. There's psychological, there's action horror, there's paranormal horror, there's uh, torture porn, right? There's, um, you know, like, uh, 
stuff like that. And, and I don't know the paranormal stuff. I I'm like, I'm more into the additional life out there or additional energy out there than I am too. Uh, although this town I live in that I won't name, um, I know Rob, you've been here. Uh, it's a weird town, man. It is weird shit that happens in this town. All the state, this state has got weird shit that happens in it. Yeah. Like there's, there's a, there's a, a weird, like dog human type wolf type thing that people keep saying they see in this town here and uh i keep going out trying to find it i haven't found it well i'll tell you one thing about being in this state um i like my wife and i were very we're very sensitive to that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff and we had a we had a we had a rule because we went we were house shopping to move here my wife would not under any circumstances she would not move into a house that was older than 10 years old she wasn't gonna do it we walked into so many houses dude that just absolutely gave us the willies yeah like yeah yeah so we ended up moving into a house that was extremely new um newer i'm telling you dude i'm i I, dude i walked into houses and there was just this weird aura and this and they were and i asked the guy who owns the house i'm like dude how old is this house and he goes well come walk with me downstairs and then you walk downstairs and it's got a field stone basement and you're like holy crap this house is like oh, yeah, yeah. it's like 200 years old you know <laughs> yeah and then you're like oh yeah definitely not this place <laughs> yeah i lived in an old house once and uh and every time i would walk you had to kind of go through this weird area to get from the kitchen to the living room every time i would and you had to kind of cut through this other room and every time I cut through there in the middle of the night to get a drink or whatever it was, I would feel this cold. I would get like ice cold and the hairs on my neck would stand up. Mm. One day I did some research and I found out that a guy had been shot in that room. And, you know, so like those kind of things. Yeah, man, we're connected to an energy. Yeah. Do I think that sure. that's like ghosts with chains and rattling and being like, uh, no, but I believe we're connected to a cosmic energy. And yep. I believe that we can feel trauma. We can feel pain. Yeah. Um, and I believe we can feel the positive stuff too, but I feel yep. like the positive stuff's a lot harder to sense. Maybe it's because we're so, uh, you know, like, like we were talking about this idea of training yourself to be wanting to pick that up. We're so trained on the negative. Yeah. You know? We're looking for the car wreck all the time. So yeah. the happy stuff, right? Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. That, that's so you're crazy. saying it's NASCAR's fault, man? It, yeah, it might be. It might be. I tuned out. I quit watching years ago. <laughs> After Dale died, bro, I stopped. <laughs> I gave up. Seriously, I was an avid NASCAR watcher until Dale Earnhardt yeah. passed away. I used yeah. to be, but then it became like the cars we weren't watching weren't the cars that I was. Remember, it used to be like you you went on Sunday, right? Went on yep. Sunday by on Monday. Yep. And all of a sudden, stock car racing. They weren't very stock car anymore. <laughs> nope. And and you realize like everything just became so corporate, so this. Um, the guys that were racing to Jeff Gordon era. Everybody hated Jeff Gordon because he was this young buck bred to become the next generation. And then all of a sudden, all the guys on the track were that, right? All the yep. guys had been go-kart racing their whole life. Yep. There was no more good old boys. <laughs> well, hey, listen, Earnhardt, Earnhardt was that way. I, I see. I was a Kale Yarborough fan growing up. Bobby and Allison. Dale, and, oh, Bobby Allison. And, uh, <laughs> well, Dale Earnhardt was the Jeff Gordon of that time. He was yeah. the, the young buck that was coming up and he was, you know, it, that was it. So it's, it's not, there's nothing new, man. It's all, Look, it's, all it, it just, it, it's the same thing that happened to three guns. It's not just guys bringing their guns out yep. anymore. Now you got to have yep. the custom rig. 
right? Yep. You gotta have the Benelli. <laughs> yep. You shoot much, George? You know, uh, not as much as I would like to, um, to be honest with you. I just don't really have a place to go shoot, um, you know, that's like nearby, convenient, and that I can, like, you know, you and I talked, my schedule for the last year and a half has been a very short-term schedule. So um, I don't have, I can't just go, you know, head out for a day. Like, I, I don't even know some days what I'm doing the second half of the day lately so um i don't really have a place that's nearby that i found that i can go shoot but i have shot um i have shot a few times you come to my uh, place i got yeah plenty, i got plenty of, right. i got plenty of room in my place all right you got wide open spaces man you ever got anything you want to air out by all means <laughs> out the back door of my shop man all right, right. Out the back door um well let's let's talk a little bit real quick uh so anything you want to plug george before we well, you uh, know the big in. things the big things i'm doing right now i already kind of plugged the biggest one i haven't talked about and you brought up the veterans brother is yeah. uh you know i have the veterans compound which became an official 501c3 um last year and uh my goal for that is to actually turn that into a brick and mortar facility here uh in kentucky um i'm looking at some horse farms and i'm looking at ways to kind of get some funding in um to allow me to kind of get that going so that i can kind of grow the program concept yeah. um but the veterans compound is uh something i've been doing for years you know, and you and i talked about this plenty too one-on-one yeah. -on -one or one-on-two or one-on-three or one-on-five with veterans um you know helping them sort of process a lot of their experiences through the creative art of filmmaking through everything from everything from screenwriting all the way to grip and electric um and camera and you know the basic philosophy of the veterans compound is that uh you know there have been some people who have made some very ill-advised comparisons between my business and uh, being in the military um there is zero comparison in this business to being in the military where those comments are derived from is the rigorous production schedules um and a lot of the obviously non-combatant side of the lifestyle um, but the people who have made the comments they've made, they don't draw that comparison accurately. And so what's important to me with the Veterans Compound is that the point and the philosophy is, is, is gotten out there properly. Um, and that's very simple. The same part of, um, of a veteran's brain that was in charge of, say, uh, sit reps, right, is the same part of the brain that writes screenplays. The same part of the brain that a sniper used to make an impossible shot is the same part of the brain that a cinematographer uses to select a lens, right? The same part of the brain that can disassemble and assemble a rifle under duress is the same part of the brain that can do the same thing with a complicated film camera um, under time constraints, which is a different type of non-combatant type duress, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, so the veterans compound works hard to just simply connect those from um, their military training to a new career. Uh, and then in doing so, um, I partner uh, veterans that I work with, with um, specialists in the industry, like a screenwriting guy or a cinematographer guy, you know, mostly award-winning, mostly pretty big guys and um, folks, and, and they're not all men. And, um, and they work with the veterans to teach them a specialized skill 
And, uh, and so the veterans program, as we grow, we're actually going to go into production and make films that are crewed by our veterans that we uh, work with. And then uh, that'll do a couple of things that will uh, a pay them for the job, b um, uh, give them qualifying hours toward union membership in the entertainment industry and c give uh, every veteran crew member who works on the film percentage ownership of the film so that when the film sells and goes into profit, there's a little something in their long-term coffers for them and their family. So that's the veterans compound in a nutshell. Um, and there's a lot more to it, but it's brand new and it's just me. And um, it's it's taken a lot of time, energy and effort. And, and there's literally never been anything in my life that's more worth it. But it's slow going. So you can learn all about that at veteranscompound.org or you can learn anything else you want to know about anything else I've gone on at romeropictures.com. There's links to everything there. All the shit's up there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's it. Right on. Right on. And folks, um, like I said, George and I have uh, been talking for a few years now, and uh, I've actually looked the man in the eye and, and seen his passion for this. Like I said, that's one of the main reasons why we hit it off. Um, this idea of, of, of caring and loving vets in all the right ways. Um, you got anything else you want to add to pack? No, nah, man, that's a fantastic way to end the show. I don't want to ruin that. Like, uh, you know, like my main gig being at skill set mag, that's kind of what we're all about is, uh, uplifting the vet rate and, and the two A community at a whole. And I can't think of a better way to do, uh, go out than that. That's, right on. That's beautiful stuff awesome. right there, George. Thanks man. Thank you. Well, right on folks. Thank you very much for, uh, joining us today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close this thing out with red light King. If you got any questions or want to know more about this, you can go ahead and send me an email at when violence knocks gr at gmail.com. Again, when violence knocks gr at gmail.com. I'm Cabrera closing out for Turpac and Romero. We appreciate you guys. We're gonna go ahead and wrap this up with red light King. Peace.